Welcome to another episode of Behind the Now. Today, I get to chat with producer Ksenia Yorsh. After finishing her BA in international relations and working as a general manager, Ksenia decided to devote herself to her career in filmmaking, getting a degree in documentary filmmaking at New York Film Academy and in business and management of entertainment at UCLA Extension. Since, Ksenia has produced over 20 films, including features, documentaries, and shorts that have been distributed across the US, UK, Spain, France, Norway, Germany, and Japan. As a director, two of her documentaries were showcased at Cannes Short Film Corner. Listen in to dive into the nitty-gritty and excitement of producing, as well as explore some beautiful, funny, insightful experiences in Ksenia's story. Hi, Ksenia. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to talk with you. Hi. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, of course. So you are a film producer, and I want to just start with how did you get into producing? Where did that come from? Um, Yeah, tell me a bit about your background. Yeah, so I'm originally from Belarus and I always was fascinated by film and knew that that's something that I want to do, but I wasn't entirely sure what exactly I would want to do in film. So um, I think my indecisiveness led to me not jumping into film right after school right away. I instead went and got a degree in international relations and started to work for a company that was not related to film industry in any shape or form. But um, what I quickly realized is that I'm really good at putting things together and kind of managing and organizing the process. Mm-hmm. So um, after a while, I decided to come to LA and just uh, take like a short filmmaking course. Um, it was a screenwriting course, which I was like, well, writing kind of opens up yeah. your creativity. So maybe it will help me figure out what it is that I want to do with my life. And um, I came here and realized that a lot of the qualities that uh, were often presented to me as kind of my flaws, such as like being, you know, walking into a room and kind of becoming the leader of the room and organizing people. Like it was always perceived as something annoying. Ah. Here, I came here and I was like, oh, you could be a good producer. And like, actually that could, this characteristic yeah. could make you good at, at this in this field. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to ever do anything else. Like, yes, yeah. like, if that's where I can apply my love for film and also some of the natural inclinations that I have, then that's what I would want to be doing. And so, yeah, I kind of fell into producing. And then, um, you know, I went to a film school and started working and kind of slowly, slowly figured out the niche of producing that I'm good at, which is line producing. Wow, that's really amazing. Do you find that your background in international relations and business helped you with producing later at all? 100%. Um, You know, I think working with people is something that is really important in producing. So whatever experience you have with working with people, especially people of different backgrounds, people from different countries, that was very helpful. And then later I started working at a creative agency and there it was kind of like everything combined, like my film background and my business background, like all of that just kind of meshed into one. So I do believe that, you know, all of the dots at some point get connected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. You never know like where things will lead, right? And why you're doing what you're doing and how it applies later. So that's so cool to hear. You also, I read that you speak three different languages. Is that right? I mean, okay. I don't even know how many languages I speak. So I speak (laughs) English, Russian, and Belarusian. Okay. These are the languages that I speak. Uh But, you know, also technically I have a degree in translating Italian, English. 
oh but I don't God. really speak Italian. Uh-huh. I also learned a little bit of French, but I don't really speak French. Yeah, and okay. I'm learning Spanish. So I know a little bit of a lot of languages. That's amazing. And do you find that knowing these different languages? Because I'm sure that affects your producing too, like just the way your mind works, like how you can just do you find a relationship there? Or like, oh, I don't think so. I think okay. for me, languages is just kind of fun. It's a I could okay, say, hobby okay. of mine. And it's just fun to also watch films in the language in which they okay. were created. So like, even if I understand just half of it and the rest, I have to read the subtitles. Still, it makes a difference if you can kind of yeah, understand a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's such specific things in different languages that you can't translate well necessarily. You know, you just have to know the language. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so when you came over here from Belarus what was that experience like like did you speak English at that point yeah I so I learned English at school and then at university but of course you know it's not the same when you just take classes and then when you find yourself immersed Mm -hmm. in the culture so uh that was a little bit of an adjustment it and well actually it was a big adjustment because there was a big difference between just understanding and being able to communicate and then kind of switching the language in your mind where you start thinking in that language mm-hmm. especially if you want to work and you need to be able right. to communicate quickly and be efficient so yeah that took a little bit of time but overall I just kind of came here and I couldn't believe that this place is true because I was like how could it be that there's one place where so many people who love what I love yeah. they're all here and they're all working in the same field and like I can be here yeah it was yeah, that's kind amazing. of real. and producing is often very like fast-paced right so yeah. like, yeah, so I'm just thinking if you're, if English isn't necessarily your first language and just like maybe even the cultural differences, um, I don't know, was that interesting? Was it like a funny experience? Um, you know, yeah. I think it helped that I did not have a film background back home. Um, so I learned all the terminology and all the words yeah. and all the processes from scratch. Okay. So in that sense, it wasn't a clash really. Right. But um I think there's also a big difference between people who say that they like producing or say that they're producing and people who actually do producing. Because mm. a lot of people call themselves producers and, you know, they take a really long time to come up with a project and they kind of mm. like working on the project for years. And some projects do take years, but in a lot of cases, it's just people who kind of want to be the in the at, at the very beginning of the roots of the project, but they don't necessarily really lift it off the ground. Mm. Um, and so, you know, you find yourself surrounded by so many different types of right. things. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what does it take to make, to get a project made? I know it's such a long process. And like, so what does it take to make, get a project made? And also at what point is the producer in that process? You know, like what's the producer's role? Yeah. Okay. So a big misconception is that uh, producer somebody who invests the money in the film, which mm-hmm. is entirely not true. Um, and I think I'll start answering your question by distinguishing different types of producers. Right, perfect. Uh, because it's also a lot of different types of producers. Yeah, yeah. So generally speaking, a person who helps get the film made and who is responsible for kind of the business side of the film is a person who will be credited as produced by. It's kind of the main producer of mm-hmm. the film. Then there are executive producers. Uh, executive producers either bring the financing for the film or they secure distribution for the film or they might secure one of the crucial elements. So let's say if I bring an A-list star to the project, I might get credit as an executive producer. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. Some people build careers as executive producers, and basically what they do is they focus on packaging films. Mm -hmm. So the whole thing is how to finance the films and how to set up the film as the legal entity and the business entity. And so those people or their production companies will executive produce a lot of films in a row, right? Mm -hmm. Um, then there are creative producers. Creative producers typically are the ones who come on board the first. Uh, they are the ones who will be looking for the for the literary material. Okay. They're the ones who will either um, option the rights to a book if they want to make an adaptation, or they will find the writer who they want to work with, or they option the script. And they kind of work together with the writer on developing and sculpting and molding mm -hmm. the script that will eventually be made. So... Um, a lot of their expertise lies in um, kind of working with the script and what goes in the script. And so that's what they focus on. Mm -hmm. uh, then there are line producers, which is the type of work that I do. Okay. Um, so I come on board when there is already the script that is locked. Mm -hmm. It's done. It's ready. And the financing is already in place. Okay. And then basically we have the script, we have the money, now we need to get it made. So that's the point where I come and where exactly. I, my job is to figure out in, you know, there are a myriad of ways how you can spend the same amount of money making the same film. Mm -hmm. but my job is to do the budget for the film and the schedule for the film. So figure out where exactly are we going to shoot it? What state we're going to film it? How are we going to maximize the incentives that's in that mm -hmm. state? Are we going to spend more on locations? Are we going to spend more on production design? So I work closely with uh, the director and the main producer of the film um, in figuring out, you know, how we can make this money work for us. Right. And then basically setting up the logistics and the business operations of the film. So hiring the crew, get setting up the vendors, getting everybody on board, and then executing the film making sure that we stay on schedule, schedule and on budget uh -huh. and that we need to completion. So basically when post-production ends, that's where my role ends. Right. And then um, the main producer of the film will work further with the director and figuring out the marketing and distribution strategy um, and kind of how to get the film out in the world. Yeah, that's so cool. So, so you come in, you said when the script is locked, but it hasn't been like casted or anything like that yet, right? It depends. Um, okay. So sometimes we, it kind of happens consecutively. Okay. Sometimes, you, you know, you already have at least the main actor attached. Uh -huh. it, it really depends on kind of what the right. okay. I know, it's a hard question. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've also worked on shorts, features, commercials, documentaries. Um, how does, which genre do you like working on the most? What kind or as an all oh, of that's a, so it's a very different experience working right. on one of them short films um mostly kind of passion projects because you can really make a lot of money off okay. of them but you know if you see a director who is has a vision and who you want to build a relationship with so for uh -huh. me personally you know nobody makes shorts forever so if i see a director who has an interesting concept for a short but i feel like oh that's somebody who i would want to work with in the future once uh -huh. they start working on feature films that's that's the the time when I kind of come on board and get myself involved in the projects because it's it's more about building the relationship. Mm -hmm. Commercials are incredible because it's uh, you have a lot of money to film a commercial and you have these big budgets and it's pretty quick and short turnaround. Okay. They're more intense in terms of making them because there's not a in one on one hand there is margin for error because you have more budget to cover up for kind of mistakes. Right. 
but well, like time wise there isn't right yeah but time wise and also depending on the client's expectations it can be a very intense process it's kind of like taking a juice shot instead of drinking the whole juice you <laughs> right know? right that's a great um, features are very rewarding in a sense that you know you really get to know the people who you work with mm-hmm. they have many months or many weeks uh, of prep and then you have weeks of filming it and you really kind of go through the whole process of making that story and just really get to know not only the people who you work with, but also the material that you work with. Right. Sometimes evolves while you're filming it. Mm-hmm. You get really connected to it. Um, and then documentaries are more most fun in terms of you never know where it's going to take you. Mm-hmm. And producing wise, it's kind of fun because you today you might learn that tomorrow you need to film on an airfield, you know, and you it's just a lot of oh, kind of production yeah. challenges. So I don't I don't really know. I just yeah, love, I mean yeah. I love working with subject matters that are interesting. So like if it's the theme of the film is interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think recently for me, more increasingly more important is becoming who I work with. Mm-hmm. That's kind of shapes everything else you know right and overrides sometimes like the content or like the theme necessarily yeah yeah oh interesting that's so fascinating I was gonna yeah I was gonna ask you like do you find yourself drawn to a specific type of story but it sounds like it sounds like given everything you find yourself drawn to specific people to work with right yeah you know what I and I think it's something recent that I've kind of started putting as a rule for myself because um you know a lot of different types of stories can be interesting. You, you know, even if you think about what kind of movies you watch, you might find a movie that you usually don't watch that genre, but yeah, it's fun. So that is kind of secondary. But if you see somebody who has a clear vision of what they want to do, and at the same time, they have a strong work ethic, Uh that becomes really, really important because you want to work with a director who is decisive and who knows what they want. But yeah. at the same time, who's willing to actually work and like put the day-to-day right in this project. Yeah. So, and then you kind of become this, uh, you know, this duo, you become right. this people who work together for a long period of time. So it's kind of like having a dance partner. You you want to have somebody who you can rely on, but also who's fun to work with. Yeah. Kind of discover who they are as a person in this process. Yeah, that's so awesome. Um, What advice do you have for someone looking to get into producing? Maybe they don't know anything (laughs) or maybe they have a little experience, but where should they start? I think the best thing that I can say uh, is um, don't wait for somebody to give you permission and give you an opportunity. You, You create your own opportunities. So there's, there's, there probably won't be a moment when you will receive an email from somebody who you really respect in the field who will be like, oh my God, come and work for us. You really need to get out there and yeah. film as much as you can and build those relationships. And I think a big part of producing is finding those connections and making those connections mm-hmm. yourself. So seeing somebody who you might be like maybe an interesting writer or an actor and then trying to see what kind of project can you make with them or for them. Right. So, and I think building that strong portfolio for yourself is what eventually will help you open doors. Yeah, that's amazing. So start with, exactly. So start with making like relationships with writers or actors or whoever you'd want to work with and just make projects. That's what you would say, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because also it's not expensive to make projects these days. It's like, it's not like you need, you know, you don't need to wait for studio to green light your big film. You really can 
there's so much short form form content, mm-hmm. but you can hone your producing skills even in filming something small. And in fact, I think it's actually the best approach because you really want to be able to know that process and then make it scalable. Mm-hmm. And then the, the bigger the projects become, you won't feel overwhelmed or intimidated yeah. or kind of um, just completely at a loss of what to do. So it's good to start small, but really perfect it. And whatever principles you want to apply in your work further, kind of start there. So you 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 know your setup, you know right. how you like to work. Mm-hmm. Right, that's, that's awesome advice. And then... I know you have work, you have films that have been distributed internationally as well. Is there anything different about working internationally? Not really. I mean, I think the key here is also the same thing. It's people who you work with. Mm -hmm. So basically, whoever you will secure as your sales agent or your producer's rep or Mm -hmm. you work directly with some platforms, whoever is the contact person there. That's what will determine the the kind of in right. a way the success of the film, you know. Like yeah, yeah. And so also a lot of producing. It sounds like you can start remotely, right? Or are you also on set often? So okay, so on big projects, mm-hmm. technically a line producer is somebody who doesn't is not required to be on set, and then you have a production manager on set mm-hmm. who does the kind of the set work, and you are working uh, you know from the office right but in reality on independent films you are oftentimes your own location manager okay. and production manager and you do everything so in my experience I don't think there's ever been a film where I wasn't on set oh there's so much to do you always right have to be there. okay so then walk me through so you've secured the budget all the pieces are together and now you're a producer on set like you just said so what are some of what does the day-to-day on set look like so the day-to-day on set, if you don't have a production manager and you kind of, yeah, you are your own production manager mm-hmm. is basically you need to, you work closely with your assistant director to make sure that you stay on schedule. Right. That's um, your job is also to figure out whatever production fires happen to put them down. Right. Um, you know, you work with every department to put together production reports. So you kind of tracking and monitoring kind of, um, what time did we start filming and what kind of um, cars did we use? And you kind of, you pretty much like operations manager, you know? Right, right. You, you run the sure entire that, thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And if you did your job well in pre-production, there's not a lot that will happen in, during production. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, best case scenario is just, you're just sitting in by the monitor and watching things. Right, right. You just sitting next to the director. In reality, most of the time, you know, there will be small things coming up. So you won't be as closely involved in actually being on set on set. Mm-hmm. You will be somewhere on your laptop on the sitting on the yeah. you know, small room somewhere. Um, but yeah, basically, you just need to make sure that the project uh, continues and carries on in a way how you planned for it. Right. And I'm sure things come up all the time. And it's a lot of like quick thinking and deciding, making decisions on your feet, right? Yeah, that's, I think managing stress and stressful situations is one of the biggest things that you can learn um, if you want to be a producer. Mm. Yeah. You're managing not only your stress, but the stress of everybody else involved. And like, if you panic, everybody else will panic. So you need to be that grounding force, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Interesting. Yeah. You can't, even if like things are going wrong, you have to almost try not let everyone freak out about it. Right. You have to just like solve it in a way that it doesn't affect the whole environment. 
and most importantly your director because you want them right. to really be in their zone and yeah kind of focus on making their film so it's it's interesting because it feels like in pre-production you kind of have that partner with whom you're working and then the production starts and you are on your own in a sense yeah, you have all these people yeah. who work with you or who work you know together with you but you that decision making is now lies entirely on you on anything production right. it's like a different processes in like at different stages in the whole process there's like a different driver essentially and it's like the producer's driving up to, up to like a certain point and then the director is driving <laughs> and then yeah. it's like everyone yeah it's so interesting and it's and like the environment on set is super important too just because like for everything because like at the end of the day it's art it's like these stories you know so the actors have to be relaxed to like everything has to be relaxed and it's like there has to be a certain atmosphere established so that's also a big part of the producer's role like on set you absolutely know? yeah because yeah, you kind of um, you know you're everybody's mom and everybody's therapist yeah. because people come to you with problems and you want to make sure that you create an environment in which they would want to work and do the be able to do yeah. their job well but at the same time there's a human factor so you people need to be heard and right. they want to be seen. So a lot of that is not just kind of uh, mechanically solving the problem, yeah, yeah. <laughs> addressing the human element. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, you just said, um, it's like a mom, right? I've heard that said before about producing. Yeah, yeah interesting. Because you're managing so many different parts for a while and like, you know, it's important. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And also, you know, when people work together, you work in a very closed space, uh, long hours, you get tired. So it's all the emotional component of it. It's like things get heated very quickly, whether it's in a bad way or, way or in a good way. Mm-hmm. So it's just being able to diffuse that atmosphere and kind of bring yeah. it back to the working environment. That's also a big part of it. Right. That is. Like things escalate too much. Yeah. <laughs> Have you had any specific experiences where like any specific challenges that come to mind where and like your solution for it or, no, or uh, in terms of people in terms of just situations happening um kind of both like on the job as a producer yeah ter- yeah well I mean if, if we talk about like set stories or fun things that happened that were not fun in the moment um <laughs> gosh I mean so many okay so one that just I don't know why it came to my mind now but the first one that came to mind so we were filming in this really old beautiful house kind of like a mansion and the location owner was pretty strict like there were so many rules around it and one day we are wrapping and in the room where we had the, our DAT set up so it's like a room with a ton of computers and cameras and the production office was there so it's like pretty much everything technology related was in that specific mm-hmm. room all of a sudden sudden we look up and through the light bulbs in the ceiling, we see the water starts dripping and it just starts pouring into the room. And so people kind of panic and it's like, are we gonna, is there gonna, the the electricity, you know, are there gonna be some problems with that? People grab the camera and start running out of the room. And we realized that somebody used the bathroom upstairs that we were specifically told not to use. And something went wrong with it and basically it leaked through the ceiling. But it was such a panic moment in the moment oh when gosh, we were like, I'm oh my sure. God, hopefully nothing will get messed up. But then later also trying to figure out and do 
like we had to do a lot of work on that house to bring it back to the condition in which oh, it was supposed man. to be yeah. so the film wrapped and we still were dealing with insurance claims for oh, a while so you know now when some like you asked me this question and I just remember <laughs> sitting and seeing water pouring through the light bulb in the ceiling and it's kind of funny but then when I remember oh, everything yeah. that it entailed it was like oh my god no it yeah, was not. definitely where so, it was all yeah was the equipment okay and stuff like did you yeah. guys end up filming um everything that you needed that day and yeah, yeah okay yeah. that's amazing god. Yeah. yeah right that's amazing what area was that like where was that one located that one was in um it was a little bit outside of LA. It was close oh, okay. to Calabasas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was just wondering, like, if it was like, yeah, like a different country or like. Yeah. Anyway. Oh no, yeah. no, it was like US. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So like stuff like that, you can never predict. So you really do have to have a certain mentality. Um, I guess everyone, but especially as a producer, when it's like your job is to keep everything running. You know. <laughs> yeah. I also had a situation once where I got a call from the insurance company saying that okay, we know that your truck got in a car accident last night, but here's the information we need to take. And I'm like, wait a second, what? And by that, so then at that time we were filming in the forest on location for like a week of overnights. Uh And so I'm thinking this truck has been here for a week. And like, it's been sitting here in the forest. And then the person on the phone is talking to me and I'm like, starting to panic. I'm thinking, did somebody take the truck and, you know, drive it when we were not filming? who would do that but it also doesn't make sense because everybody's so like why would it right so eventually it turned out that it was not our truck but it took so long to try to convince the insurance company of that because oh i would be like i'm standing right in front of it it's oh my gosh back. here's yeah. the license plate it's been here and we had to take pictures and i think uh, the, the rental company the barcode that they scanned on the paperwork they kind of confused that barcode with ours mm-hmm. and so oh they ran it as if our truck was in a car accident and because all the trucks looks look the same the insurance company was like how do we know that it's actually not yours and somebody else's but yeah that's that's, that's yeah annoying challenges because you have everything else happening on set and then you need to deal with I know. Like so that's a great example yeah exactly of like those stupid things that sometimes come up that you have to deal with <laughs> that you just can't plan for or know you know like you'll mm-hmm. not like there's no way you can so like when you're actually setting up the schedule like a shooting schedule or anything do you account for do you like leave room for like stupid things like that like in case something happens or no so I initially when I do the breakdown I just kind of figure out how many days in total we need to shoot and then approximate schedule of where things go and then when the assistant director comes on board they do a day-to-day exact shooting schedule what exact scenes in what order and so it's kind of their job to figure out the timing of okay. that. So mine is more like I would film in 18 days or 25 days, you know. Okay. And how do you even estimate that, like 18 or 25? Is it just like an instinct at this point or like you can just tell based on what needs to be done? So, um, I mean, on average, you can comfortably film between maybe five and seven pages a day. Okay. If it's If nothing crazy is happening. You right. Know? So. Okay. A famous example is in Gone with the Wind, there was a scene that was just one line that said Atlanta is burning. Mm-hmm. And it took like, I don't remember, many days or weeks to film it. Mm-hmm. So you kind of estimate it by page count okay, and also yeah. by the content. So you see if it's like something action field, mm-hmm. then maybe you will film only half a page. But basically when, you, when I do the breakdown, I just see 
like how many times we need to film during the day, during the night, inside, outside, right? Okay. Types of locations, and then you kind of group it, and it's kind of like a puzzle that I put that I fit in my software in which I work, mm-hmm. and then you kind of try to see equally spread it out, um, and then also depending on the director and the cinematographer, they might have preferences. Some cinematographers say, "I'm not going to film more than four pages a day." Oh, like, I see. No matter what. That's kind of how me and my department will work. Okay. So, yeah. So then you have to take that into account. Like anyone, obviously, you have to take it into account. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I'm going to just ask you a few fun, random questions, okay? Sure. <laughs> um, okay. If you were an athlete, what sport would you play? Wow. Um, okay. I'm really not into sports, but the only thing that I like is rock climbing. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, that's that's a Okay. Which actually, if I think about it, that's kind of what I do in film too. It's just constantly climbing up the mountains. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And do you mean like rock climbing on like outside with the rocks? Okay, yeah. Because I sometimes think of it too as like those walls, those like artificial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, that's amazing. Um, what is your horoscope sign, and does that mean anything to you? My my horoscope sign. I'm Aquarius. Okay. Um. I don't know. Doesn't really mean anything. Okay. I mean, you read all the descriptions, and you can find yourself in each right, other. like just for fun. But you don't find because I I've talked to some people that really identify as their sign, but you're not like that. No, the only thing that I know is that my sign is an air sign, and okay. it kind of fits because I'm really drawn to anything kind of sky related. So okay, oh, lighting, parachuting, bungee jumping, all of those things I like but oh, I don't know if it's related to my sign or if it's just yeah yeah no I don't know <laughs> I agree with you okay and then what what is something you do to be the now to stay present no it's what's funny um, um so when I saw the name of your podcast mm-hmm. and I put it on my calendar um I realized that I have two things in one day that are the now Oh. which the second one today is uh, I'm getting a massage at the massage studio that is called the now wow like, oh, interesting. So interesting. like I wonder if it means something that it's like it's kind of like yeah that's so that I'm is gonna keep getting that message but for me I think staying in the now is is about being mindful of the present moment and not getting overwhelmed mm-hmm. when you work in a field where your job is to plan and predict it's very easy to also in your mind to jump in the Uh future because you kind of plan for a lot for the future and so I think the challenge for me is to kind of focus on day-to-day hour by hour Uh and really live through it instead of constantly planning for the next thing right that's huge yeah that's a beautiful answer and that applies to everyone for you it's very apparent like you said you're doing like as a producer there's a lot of planning ahead but I mean for everyone everyone feels like that to degrees you know so we have to just remember to stay present and just literally be in the present moment <laughs> yeah no, I know so they I don't remember who was the person but they asked one of the world chess um, like one of the best world chess players how many moves ahead he plans the game mm-hmm. and everybody thought that he would say maybe like 15 was or some some mm-hmm. exorbitant number and that's why he's so good at what he does and he said I only think about my present move because if you calculate for the future sometimes you can really not understand the situation you're dealing with right now right. and then all of your future calculations will be off so I often think about it um, because you know you see the situation and you kind of like try to pre-plan for some in any situation yeah 
nobody moves ahead, but um, sometimes you really miss the component of what exactly you're dealing with now. Yeah. And then it takes an unexpected turn for the better or for worse. Right. And kind of all of your plans are out of the window. Exactly. I mean, look at Corona. No one could have planned that. (laughs) No one could have known what to do, like that that was coming. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I've loved talking to you. Thank you so much. My pleasure.